please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, the very last verse. Ephesians, chapter number 5. Friday night and yesterday morning, Dad brought messages relative to the home. Last night he preached on contentment. That was very convicting. But anyhow, thanks a lot. But no, it was a blessing. Um, but uh, Friday night and dealt with relationships and forgiveness. And then yesterday morning dealt with the discipleship within the family. So he was talking about the home and the family. And I was talking about the church family. But this morning, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I want to use this one verse of scripture to teach a truth. It is a dynamic. It is a help for every one of us. Now, it's relative to marriage. So right away, there may be some this morning that say, oh, well, great. Message isn't for me. Well, let me just challenge all of you. First of all, some of you that are older than me, and you'd say, what's this young young whippersnapper going to teach me that I don't already know? Um, Well, you just have a a heart for what God's word maybe is going to say today. Some of you that uh, maybe are young in your marriage and you're looking for some help and direction, you you listen tight. Um, Some of you that are not yet of marrying age, you listen carefully uh, because this will affect your future. Some of you are single, maybe by choice, uh, maybe single because of death or divorce. Um, And you say, well, this isn't applicable applicable to me. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So every time we open God's Word, we're going to learn things that will be a help to us. So I want to urge you that although I'm going to be dealing with the family and specifically with husbands and wives and the marriage dynamic and what God is helping us with, there, there are going to be things that we'll say this morning that will apply to everyone. So let the Lord speak to your heart this morning. Um, we probably have a variety of translations represented. I'm reading out the New King James this morning. And um, maybe you're reading out the, the, the Old King James or maybe you've got some of the different translation. But could we do our best to read in unison just verse 33? All right? Uh, whatever, whatever you have in front of you, let's read it out loud. Ephesians 5, verse 33. Ready? Together. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right. Now, a couple of words there that are very, very key. Um, In the King James translation, it says that the wife see that she reverence her husband. In the New King James and most of the other newer translations, it says respect her husband. And that, that really is, um, if, if we say reverence, we may wonder what exactly does that mean. Home, you know, does that, what does that mean? Um, well, I think the word respect probably moves us a little bit closer to what the idea is here. So what we're finding in verse number 33 are two imperative commands. Now, I, I use that word imperative very carefully. Having been raised in a pastor's home, having grown up in church, I can tell you there have been a lot of times that I've heard speakers come through our church and they would say, now the Bible says you got to, and then you stop and think, you know, I don't think the Bible actually says that. So I've heard many times when people claim the Bible says something, it may not actually say. So when I say these are imperatives, these are things the Bible commands, I'm being very careful to be accurate when I say that. There are two imperatives. There are two commands in verse number 33. The command for husbands is, love your wife. It's a commandment. Love your wife. The command for wives is, respect your husband. Respect your husband. Now, 
If these commands were reversed, this would be a no-brainer. This would be the easiest thing in the world. Because if, if you were to ask most husbands, do you respect your wife? Oh, I, I sure do. She has the kids. I mean, let's just stop right there. If childbirth was dependent upon the men, there would be no growth, okay? There'd be no children to be born. So, you know, she has the kids. She organized the home. She does all of those things. I don't know how she does it all. Do you respect your wife? I, I sure do. Do you love her? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Or if you said to many women, do you love your husband? I think almost every wife is going to say, oh, yes, I love my husband. The big dummy. <laughs> he's, he does all these things that just drive me nuts. But I, I still love him so much. Okay. Now, the truth is that if these commands were reversed, you wouldn't even need a sermon. Because most wives tend to be good about loving their husbands. And most husbands tend to be good about respecting their wives. But it's just the opposite here. The commandment is that a husband love his wife, and the commandment is, is that a wife respect her husband. Now, in our culture, I think that we get it when it comes to the idea of love. Go down to the Walmart, or to the Shopco, or to the Walgreens, or to the Hallmark store, or wherever you want to go, and you're going to find hundreds of cards that express different ways to say, I love you. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Hallmark card that says, I respect you. Actually, it, didn't just, it just doesn't sound very romantic. I respect you. Okay. Uh, just seems to lack something along the way, doesn't it? So when we talk about love, I think our culture tends to get it. At least we, we come closer to getting it when it comes to understanding what love is all about. When it comes to respect, I think we don't get it. What, what do most of us assume? If, if I want some to, someone to respect me, I need to what? Earn it. Earn it, okay? And it's right at that point that the whole concept starts to come unraveled. So why do you think that God words this in the imperative? Why does he, why does it like God gets right in our faces and said, you must do this? And the answer is because if he didn't command us to do it, we wouldn't do it. It doesn't come natural. It doesn't, and I'm explaining why in just a moment, and ladies, you're not going to hear this, but it doesn't actually, it doesn't come natural for a husband to love his wife. And it doesn't come natural for a wife to respect her husband. So that's why God words it as a commandment. He tells us we have to do it because if we were just left up to our own devices, I think that we would mess this all up. So let's take this text. And let's try to understand why God's Word is teaching us. Now, a number of years ago, there was a pastor and his wife in western Michigan. Um, his last name is uh, Egrich, um, Emerson Egrich. And he authored, with his wife's help, he authored a book uh, that I have read numerous times. Actually, I've taught uh, the book as a course in a Bible institute, two different semesters. I've used it in counseling. Uh, I hope that some of you actually have read as well. But it's called Love and Respect. Love, they have, they have some wonderful things uh, to apply from that book. Now, it's actually one of the most frustrating books I've ever read. Because when I read a book, I like for the author to introduce what he's going to write about early in the book. And then I like each chapter to kind of take me along in a journey to learn the subject, wherever it is. So each chapter sort of adds something. In the book, Love and Respect, Mr. Egrich doesn't do that. Instead, in every chapter, he says the same thing. 
He just says it in a different way. So I get, I get a little frustrated reading the book, but by the end of the book, I then say, okay, I get it. I get it, all right? Which actually, I guess, is a very effective way to write. So although I maybe find it frustrating, it's helpful to read it. So if you, how many of you are familiar with that love and respect title? Raise, raise your hand, all right? Oh, good, several of you. Uh, I highly recommend it. My wife and I have together read many different books on marriage, and uh, I think it's probably one of the, one of the best ones to read. So I, I highly recommend it. So this morning, I'm not teaching their material. This is just how God has taught me this verse, but I, I benefited from that material. So I want to give credit where credit is due. So let, let's look at this text and at these two commandments. The first commandment in verse 33 is written to husbands. He says, nevertheless, so he's, he's kind of wrapping things up. Verse 33 is not a tag on. Verse 33 is not an addendum to the chapter. Actually, verse 33 is what the chapter is all about. Everything in this passage has been leading up then to the declaration of these two imperatives. So he starts with the husbands and he says, husbands, love your wives, love your wives. Now, let me explain three different ways that we applied that truth. First of all, based on the text, this love that a husband is to have for his wife is to be an equal love. Now, ladies, you're not going to enjoy this because this doesn't sound very romantic. But listen to how he explains it. He says this, husbands, love your wives even as yourself. Boy, that just gives you chills, doesn't it? Uh, Your your husband writes you a little note, you know, buys you flowers, writes you a note. Honey, I want you to know I love you as much as I love me. Would that that tend to win your husband brownie points with you if he he wrote that out? (laughs) But that, that is exactly what God is saying here. Now, he, he's doing this because he knows that as husbands, we're pretty dense and we need all the help we can get. So he's telling us something that we can actually understand. Why, why does the Bible word it the way that a husband love his wife even as himself? Well, here's the reason. Because what comes natural to a man is to love himself. What comes natural to a man is to think about himself. Men, by our nature, are selfish. Everybody's go. why did pastor bring this idiot? I don't want to go to church and hear this this morning. Okay. But I'm telling you the truth. Men, by then, what comes natural to a man is to look out for himself. Okay. You don't believe me? Okay. Check it out. Check it out. What, what happens in your home when mom or one of the kids don't feel well? What does dad say? You'll live. You'll survive. It's not, it's not that big a deal. Growing up, growing up I'm going I'm to call him out now. But growing up, my dad would always say, well, don't make a federal case out of it. I never knew what that meant. But anyhow, don't make a federal case out of it. Come on. You'll live. You're okay. But what happens in your house when dad doesn't feel good? Oh, yeah. Hold on, world. We've all got to tiptoe around the house because dad doesn't feel good today. Okay. Now, okay, now you're looking at me like, oh, no, not me. Yeah, right, right, okay. Now, the truth is what comes natural for every man is to look out for himself. I suppose it's part of our survival instinct. Okay, it's maybe just some, some of that DNA that God has put into us as males. It may be why we're able to do some things that we can do. But what comes natural to a man is to look out for himself. And God knows we need all the help we can get. So God says, all right, men, Love your wives. How do I do that? And God says, well, start by loving her as much as, start by thinking about her as much as you think about yourself. 
Start by paying as much attention to her as you pay to yourself. Ooh, that's pretty good counsel. It is a shame that in many marriages, the wife survives on leftovers. Leftover money, if there is any. Leftover attention and time, if there is any. Tragically, in some marriages, leftover affection. But that's not what God designed. So, so first of all, for a husband to understand his role in loving his wife properly, you start by just simply that reminder, love her as much as you naturally love yourself. Think about her. Choose to think about her. Love her. Okay. Second, not only is this a, an equal love, it is an exemplified love. We actually have a model to look up to. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Hollywood. I'm not talking about your favorite sex symbol or your Hollywood uh, hero. Okay, When I say we have an example to follow, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. How did Jesus Christ demonstrate his love? Earlier in the text, he said, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. How did Jesus give himself for the church? He died. He sacrificed himself. So not only is this love that a husband is to have for his wife, is it to be an equal love. Love her as you love yourself. But secondly, it is to be an exemplified love. Follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. Now, when we follow this pattern, we begin to learn a concept of what is called unconditional love. Back when the New Testament was originally written, it was not written in English. It was not written in Hebrew. Uh, the majority of the New Testament was actually written in what was called Koine Greek. In other words, the, the common man, uh, the everyday, in the marketplace language that the people spoke. It was, it was the common language. And in the Koine Greek, at the time the Bible's written, now today there'd be far more, but at that time there were three primary words that could be translated to the word love. Um, one is the Greek word eros. It is where we get our English word erotic. Eros love is the epitome of self-love. Eros love, er erotica, pornography, um, the things that our culture tragically is saturated with. Eros love is an expression of self-love. Please me. Satisfy me. Make me feel good. Eros love. I do not believe that in this text... When the Bible commands husbands love your wives, I do not believe he's using the eros concept here. Don't, don't, don't just look to erotica to satisfy yourself. That's a dead end road. There's a second word, probably far more familiar to us, that can be translated as the word love, and it's the Greek word phileo or filio. Now, commonly we say phileo love is brotherly love. In eastern Pennsylvania, three of my siblings live near uh, a big city called Philadelphia. Now, that's the, the combination of two Greek words, phileo for the word love and adelphos for the word brother. So Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. Just tried driving through one time. You know, the, the city of brotherly love, okay? Um, what is brotherly love? Okay, when people say, oh, phileo love, that's brotherly love. Well, what does that mean? Is that like, like we're buddies? Uh, what does that mean? It kind of leaves me flat. What, what is phileo love? Well, if you'll dig it out, you will discover that as it's used in the scriptures, phileo love is actually a responder love. Phileo love is love that loves 
because it feels secure in being loved. Okay, now that's not bad. The Bible says in 1 John, you finish it for me, okay? We love him, why? Okay, that's phileo love. That's a responder love. When you, when you came to that place in your Christian life where you dared to say, God, I love you, was that a gamble? Was that a risk? Were you shinning out on a skinny branch? Wonder if it's going to hold your weight? No. When you came to that moment in your spiritual walk where you could say, God, I love you. We sang that song this morning. I love you, Lord. And you came to be able to say that with meaning. You could do that with confidence because you know he loves you. So phileo love is a respond to love. It's a good love. In fact, the Bible says that there is a reward for those who love his appearing. That's the word phileo. Okay, so phileo love is respond to love. But when this commandment was being made, he did not use the word phileo. He did not say, husbands, love your wives because she pleases you so much and she makes you feel so good and so comfortable that you can respond to her then in a loving way. It's not the idea of phileo. So what is this love? Well, you know the word. It's called agape. Some people pronounce it agape. But it's, it's agape love. What is agape love? Agape love is unconditional love. Agape love says, I love you. Without asking for anything in return. When I was a teenager, I never did this, but I knew some of my buddies who did. When I was a teenager, a guy would take a girl out on a date. Maybe buy her some candy or flowers. Pay for a meal. And then look to drive down a deserted gravel road somewhere and expect some payback. Hey, I gave you, you give me. That's not agape love. Agape love does not say, I'll love you if you give me something in return. Agape love says, I love you. Period. I love you. It is an exemplified love. And oh, I, I challenge all of us as men. That we would by faith so walk in the steps of our Savior that we could for our wives and for our families that we could model what sacrificial, unconditional, agape love actually looks like. What a blessing it be in your home. Okay? Now there's a third concept here. Not only are husbands to understand this command because the illustration is that it's an equal love. Love your wife as you love yourself. It's an exemplified love. Because we have the example of Jesus to follow, unconditional, sacrificial love. But third, it is an exclusive love. It is an exclusive love. When he says here, husbands, love your wives, it means you put her in a position that no one else occupies. She holds that place in your heart. She holds that place in your life. No one else belongs there. As men... A natural tendency for us is to compartmentalize our lives. It's kind of the way men function. It's the way we think. Uh, you ladies trying to understand your husband, well, understand that your husband has the ability to compartmentalize things. It's, again, it's, I think it's part of our survival instinct. Um, so we compartmentalize. Um, year, years ago, among the different books that my wife and I have read, we read a book together that we, we laughed Probably more than we've ever laughed before, but we were blessed. It's a book. The title is this. Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. 
Okay, now you need to go on Amazon or Google and buy the, if you buy the book used, um, you, you pay just a few cents for it, but you need to read the book. It's a Christian book. Men are like waffles. Women are like spaghetti. So in men's minds, we have boxes for everything. Okay, not, I'm, I'm telling the truth this morning. Okay, we, we have boxes for everything. So right, right now, I am in a preaching box. Right now, I'm at Freedom Bible Camp. I'm on a platform that's so high, I'm getting nosebleed up here, but I'm on a platform. Um, you're looking at my nose hairs, but anyhow, no, I, I hope not. But anyhow, um, uh, we're, we're now, we're, we've got that. I mean, there could be an earthquake in Oklahoma going on. I wouldn't feel it. Um, there could be all kinds of things going around, and I would have no clue, because right now I'm in this box. Right now, you are my absolute focus right now. When I'm driving, you ask my wife, I'm in my driving box. I love to drive. I, I love it. To me, uh, it, it's a joy to get on the road and drive. Drives me nuts when I see, especially women drivers, when I see them paying attention to everything except their driving. They go down, you know, they, they pass me on the interstate, and I'm moving along already pretty pretty fast, faster than I should, and they blow past me, and they got the cell phone crooked under their shoulder, and they got one toe up on the dashboard with pieces of tissue, and they're painting their toenails, and they're doing their makeup in the mirror, and they're doing everything except driving. And that irritates me. It's like, just drive. What's wrong with you? Drive. Okay. I, I get my driving box. Um, men, <laughs> you ladies aren't going to believe me, okay? Men even have some boxes that are absolutely empty. Nothing in the box. I'm not making this up, okay? This is the this is God's truth. Men even, okay, guys, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Men even have these boxes that are absolutely empty. And every once in a while, I slide into an empty box. And it's just like, oh. and my wife will say, what you thinking about? Nothing. And you know what? It's true. It's true. Nothing. Now, you ladies have never experienced that. And you probably never will. You have no clue what I'm talking about. But every guy here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Men, men have boxes, and that's kind of how we survive. Every, sometimes a guy will feel guilty because he's in his empty box. And his wife says, what you thinking about it? So he starts jumping from box to box trying to give it to you an answer. i got to come up with an answer. Okay. Um, now, just tell us right Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. All right. So oftentimes this ability that men have to compartmentalize allows him to justify things that are wrong. So a husband will say, well, yes, I, I view pornography, but I love my wife. No, you don't. You, you can't disconnect those two things. Well, there's, there's a, a girl at work and we kind of flirt around a little bit, uh, but, but I always come home to my wife. I love my. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't separate those things. Your wife is to be put in a place that is absolutely exclusive. Now you're all wondering, so what's the other part of this? Women are like spaghetti. What's that mean? You know. Okay. For a woman, in her thought processes, everything touches everything. It's all related. We have, we have two adult children. My daughter is 32 or 33 now. 33 years old. Okay. You ask her, she's a very independent wife and mother, but she calls my wife every day. They talk all the time, and I'm only hearing a part of the conversation. But there are times that it, just, it hurts my brain when I hear the subjects changing, boom, boom, boom. I'm trying to think, they started talking about this, and now they're talking about that. How is that at all related? But in their minds, oh, it makes perfect sense, okay? 
Because like a plate of spaghetti, all that spaghetti is all piled together. Everything touches everything. Okay. It'll, you, you know, I'm telling the truth, right? Okay. You days know what I'm talking about. All right. Now, so in, in our relationships, one of the things that men must do is that we must guard against that temptation to compartmentalize in our lives and to then justify doing things that are wrong. When it comes to cherishing your wife, loving your wife, that doesn't mean you just put her in one box, but you got all these other boxes that are completely no, no, no. You put her in a position of honor. You put her in a very special place. Husbands, love your wives. God commands you to do that. Okay. But number two, notice in verse 33, and let the wife see that she reverence or that she respects her husband. Okay. Now, we talk about love. Pretty much we're all talking the same language, or at least, at least to a degree. Respect. Oh. Now, this is another whole ball game, all right? So let me suggest three ways to help you ladies understand what it means to respect your husband. Number one, understand his need for respect. Understand his need for respect. Now, some of you are going to struggle with this. But the reason that God commands a husband to love his wife is because that's her greatest need. Being loved is her greatest need. Husbands, get that. Being loved is her greatest need. That's why God commands. Husbands, love your wives because being loved is her greatest need. The reason that God commands and wives respect your husbands is because that's his greatest need. Now, it doesn't mean being respected means that, you know, I'm treated like King Tut and put up on a pedestal. That's not, not what that means at all. But being respected does mean respect. Now, again, our culture says if you want respect, you have to earn it. And obviously, there are some contexts in which that would be true. But when it comes to marriage, giving respect is a choice. And it should be done in the same manner as a husband chooses to love his wife. It's to be done unconditionally. Unconditionally. Don't don't say, well, I'll respect him when he changes this, this and this. One of the reasons why wives have so much trouble respecting their husbands is because you wives probably even know better than he does all of his flaws. You see them clearly. All right. And that, and that, that troubles you. That's why you keep trying to change him. And then that frustrates you and it frustrates him. But anyhow, um, we, uh, you, you, you see very clearly this. Women, women are discerning. When we talk about a woman's intuition, I think women are naturally intuitive. I think women are, are, they clue in on things. They catch things probably quicker than we guys do. But that also means you have to under, you have to choose to overcome all of those flaws that you see in him and choose to respect him. It is to be unconditional. You say, well, should I, should I respect him even though I know that he's got flaws? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you want him to love you even though you have flaws? How, how would it be if he said, well, I'll love you if, okay, got to lose weight, got to go take some cooking lessons because I've been choking down your food, and, and uh, start cleaning the house, okay, I'll, I'll love you if. You say, well, that's not love. You're right. Ne- neither is it true respect If you say, once you get all these things changed, then I will respect you. No, no. It is to be a gift. It is a choice. So first of all, understand his need for respect. That's why God commands it. Men men naturally gravitate towards things that will generate respect. Um, That's why often men will gravitate to the military. Not to say that women don't. I know they do. 
But often men will gravitate to the military because it's a, a respect structure. Often men will gravitate to organized athletics because if you're a part of the team, you earn a certain measure of respect. Oftentimes men will work their tails off at work because they are shown respect at work. It, it is actually a tragedy that there are many Christian men who go to work and are treated, treated with respect and then they come home and mom and the kids don't show respect. I, I have had to bite my tongue so many times when I'm standing in a church foyer or hallway and I hear a group of Christian women yakking about their husbands, criticizing them, running them down, big dummy this, blah, 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 blah. And I, I want to say to myself, you are so disrespectful in what you're saying. So first of all, understand his need for respect. Um, there have been numerous studies done on this particular subject. And in every survey, now hear what I just said, every survey where they have pulled men and asked this question, if you had to choose, which would you choose, to be loved or to be respected? In every single poll, it comes in at about the 83rd percentile or higher. When men are asked that question, if you had to choose being loved or being respected, which would you choose? Hands down. Men will say, if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather be respected. Now, ladies, you wouldn't think that way. For you, you want to be loved. But that's your basic need. For a husband, he wants to be respected because that's his basic need. So, number one, understand his need. Just like you want him to understand your need to be in love, understand his need. Number two, understand that this respect is to be unconditional. You are to give it as a gift. You are to give it as something that... Um, as, as an act of your love for him. I remember when my wife and I, we were studying these materials and we were talking through these concepts. Kathy said, so what you really mean is that when you say respect, you really mean love. And it's, it's just a different way of expressing the same thing. No. These are two different concepts. Two different dynamics. But being respected is his greatest need and being loved is her greatest need. So number one, understand his need for respect. Under two, understand his need that that respect be unconditional, that you give it as a gift of your love, just as you want him to choose to unconditionally love you. But then number three, understand his need for you to express that respect. Now, in marriage, one of the things that as husbands we are taught is that if we love our wives, we need to say so. She needs to hear that. Don't be like the Iowa farmer that I met. This was in northern Iowa, not southern. Okay, you're safe. Um, but don't be like the Iowa farmer that I met. And he was totally <laughs> he, was, he was totally serious when he said this to me. Um, I had preached in that church on marriage, and he came up afterwards and he said, Well, I told her at the marriage altar 38 years ago that I loved her, and if it ever changes, I'll let her know. Ooh, that's not good. That's not good. Okay, don't, don't, don't go there. Um, she needs to hear those words, I love you. Kathy and I got married 43 years ago, August 11, 1973. Got married at a little country church in Michigan where she grew up, a little Baptist church of Hadley, Michigan. We went on our honeymoon to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And it was the third morning of our honeymoon, and Kathy was in the bathroom with the door closed, 
It seemed like she was in there for quite a while. And I went over, stood beside the door, and I listened, and I heard crying. We're on the honeymoon. Crying. That's not a good deal, okay? <laughs> I, I was a little bit nervous about, oh, no, she's crying on the honeymoon. What? So I, I gently tapped at the door, and I said, honey, honey, what's wrong? And she said, nothing. <laughs> you liars, okay? <laughs> nothing. Now, it took quite a while to coax it out of her, but she was crying on that. I said third morning. It may have been the second morning, but anyhow, early in our honeymoon, she was crying. And finally, I, I got out of her why. She said, you haven't said I love you. And I'm thinking, yeah, I did. The wedding, all those people there, everybody heard me. I said, I love you. But she was saying, but you haven't been saying it. And I, I learned an important lesson. One that I should have known already. Now, she will tell you that what I'm going to say right now is true. There has never been a day since then that I don't say to her, I love you. We even have a little game that we play. I'll call her if I'm at the church office or if I happen to see her somewhere in, later in the day. And I'll, I'll say, have I, have I told you today that I love you? And she'll smile and she'll say, I think so, but I'd like to hear it again. You, you will never wear those words out, I love you. A husband needs to communicate that. Now, ladies, when it comes to communicating your respect, you don't need to say 15 times a day, I respect you. I respect you. <laughs> I respect you. You know, that, that would be a little bit weird, okay? You don't need to do that, okay? But, but I want to say to you that every once in a while, okay, every once in a while, you pull this out because it's going to be a special thing. Every once in a while, you need to communicate to your husband that you respect him. Now, don't do it this morning, okay? Don't walk out this morning and say, because he's going to know you're cheating, okay? Um, you're going you to have to take a little bit of time, um, maybe maybe kind of surprise him with it. But I want you to pick pick a time, and I want you to make sure you've got his attention. Nothing else going on. He's not on his phone. He's not watching TV, okay? Not Not something distracting, but get his attention. And then you need to say to him, honey... There's something I've been wanting to say for a while to you. What's that? I just, I want you to know that I really respect you. Now, be prepared. Because as soon as you say that, he's going to say, really? Why? Have an answer ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you say to him, say to him, I respect you. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. That plane just crashed. Okay. No, no, don't do that. Have an answer ready. Now, you ladies know this is true. It is not hard to just take a few minutes and think about why you can respect him. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's because he's such a hard worker. Maybe it's because of, of how he interacts with the children. Or maybe it's because of how he treats his parents. Or maybe it's because of his walk with the Lord. Or maybe, I mean, you, with, without, without even trying, you can have a nice long list of all the reasons why you choose to respect him. Okay, But have that list ready because he's going to ask why. Okay, Because it's going to surprise him. But have the answer ready. Just communicate that every now and then. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Now. A little bit of application, and I'll be done. When, when a husband is less than loving toward his wife, that's very hurtful. 
And typically, a wife will react to that by being less than respectful toward her husband, which is very hurtful. And then typically, he's going to react to that by being even less loving toward her, and that's going to hurt, and so she's going to get even less respectful to her. Do you kind of get the idea here? The Agriches, they, they call this the crazy cycle. Lots of times in our marriages, and, and by the way, it can happen in a heartbeat. Something can be said, something can happen, all of a sudden it can throw you in your marriage into this crazy cycle where you're not being loving toward her and she's not being respectful for you and this whole thing just spins out of control and we do and say things that are terrible and we later on regret it deeply. Watch out for that crazy cycle. Avoid that. But just as real as that destructive crazy cycle is, there can be in your marriage a healing cycle where you choose, husband, to speak and act in a loving manner toward her. And she, wife, chooses to speak and act in a respectful manner toward you. And there's this beautiful healing process that evolves in your relationship. That's why God commands it. It doesn't come natural, and it's not necessarily easy, but it is one of the greatest blessings that you'll have in your marriage. Yesterday, Dad mentioned how that he and my mom had been married over 64 years. They were married in February 1952. My wife and I had been married for 43 years. We got married in August of 1973. We've got marriages all over this room representing different numbers of years, some more, some less. But in every marriage, if there's going to be a relationship that honors God, and if there's going to be a healthy, healing relationship in that marriage, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, dear Lord, that we would cherish your word. Thank you that your word speaks to us right where we are. We've been talking today about marriage, and so there's an immediate application to every single couple in this room. But Lord, we recognize that there are distinct ways in which these same dynamics carry out to the attitudes that children have toward their parents and that parents show toward their children. Attitudes that neighbors demonstrate toward one another. Attitudes that church members demonstrate toward one another. Oh, that we would grow in our Christ-like ability to show proper love and respect. Thank you that in your wisdom, you knew that we needed to be taught this, so you made it a commandment and help us to obey the commands of your word. Our heads are bowed, please. Our eyes are closed. You've been so cooperative in these services 